welcome back to Sunday evening church. Did we have a good time this morning? Those of you in the coffee bar, if I can get you to find your seats over here, that would be awesome. Good evening. Okay, if I can get you guys to stand up, we're going to go ahead and start with our confession over the United States of America. And here we go. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. You guys may be seated. I just got a couple of quick announcements, okay? Um, pastors are still in Indiana. They'll be back soon. They love each and every one of you guys. I'm sure they're streaming and watching us right now. So hello, guys. We miss you and we love you. Um, also, I wanted to talk for a minute about two different lift groups that we have going on. The first one is our um, Health His Way that is done on Saturday morning at 7 a.m. And it's led by Rosalinda. So if you haven't been to one of those, wake up a little bit earlier on your on your Saturday. You will not be upset that you did that. Come on out and join us. You'll have a short Bible study of why we should take care of our bodies, why it's important to take care of our bodies. And then we walk in, um, and do about a mile around the church, okay? And if you're not there yet, if you can only do a half a mile, that's fine. Whatever you're capable of doing, um, it's just a great time to come out, make some friends, fellowship, talk to people, and figure out why we should take care of the temple God gave us, right? Also, every second and fourth Tuesday night, we have another lift group, um, and they um, meet over Zoom, and basically it's a Bible study. And normally what they do is they go over the sermons that were taught that Sunday, they go into more depths of it, they talk about if you have any questions, kind of how what their perspective perspective was, what they got out of the sermon. They open it up. We have people that join us from the live stream that come to those Bible studies, so it's really great. But it's also a great time to get connected and be able to talk to different people in the church and get different perspectives of what they see um, or what they received. Or maybe maybe you just don't understand. You know, you had some questions and you didn't really quite understand the sermon. Or or you needed it um, um, brought up a little bit more or, or had questions, that's your opportunity to be able to ask those questions and have people answer it. So those are two great lift groups that we have going on right now. We encourage you guys to get connected to one of them. I guarantee you will not miss it. Now, if I can get Mr. Jesse Garcia up here, he's going to go ahead and lead us in our tithes and our offerings this evening. Who knows what time it is? Happy time. Woohoo! If you need an envelope, please raise your hand. These handsome mushers will be glad to help you out. All right. Uh, so why is it happy time? Who knows? What's that? Right. God loves a cheerful giver. Well, let's turn to that one. Let's turn with, uh, with me to 2 Corinthians 9. Woohoo! 2 Corinthians 9. And we are going to look at verse 6 and 7. 
So who knows the difference between tithes and offering? I didn't in the beginning when I came. I just thought all the money went to pastors. No lie. True story. 100% true story. And I was happy to give it, you know. So uh, uh, tithes is a, is a covenant between you and God that, you know, opens the windows of heaven, have, gives you the power to rebuke the devourer um, and all the wiles of the enemy, you know. But but tithe, tithe is uh, is um, 10% of what of what you bring in, you know. So it's basically honoring God. 10% is a lot. To, to, you know, and lots of some people to step out and, and, and give 10% of what you're getting in to God. But I'll tell you what, man, I lived blessed on God's 90% than my own 100%. You know, so uh, I definitely want to be under his cover, covering, you know. Uh, so it says, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 and 7 says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Say generous crop. Generous crop. I want a generous crop. You know, so it says you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly. Reluctantly is like, okay, I want to give this Lord, but oh, here you go. No, no, it doesn't. It says don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. I'm not pressuring you, right? All right? No? There's no pressure, right? So, uh, or response to pressure. And it says right here, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. You know, so uh, offerings are a different thing. Offerings is um, something above and beyond your um, your normal tithes. You know, offering is something when you, uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but who here believed for something in their life? Who here is believing for something now? You know what I mean? So uh, offering is a great opportunity for you to step out in faith and, and whatever the Lord's placed on your heart, he wants you to to uh, give that knowing that, you know what, he, you're sacrificing something, I'm stepping out in faith, and I'm going to give you this, Lord, um, because I know that you're going to honor me. But not because you know you're going to get something back, because you're believing for something. You know, I, mean, uh, I want to say probably about, I don't know, about 10 years ago, almost a decade probably, maybe longer, uh, we used to have right here, uh, steps were different, it was only three steps, or two steps, and uh, we had a bunch of cards, little three-by-five cards, uh, that uh, a lot of the family members that was here in the church, we were believing for another family member, and on those cards were names, uh, on those cards were names, uh, like say for instance, if my wife was praying for me, or, or praying for her brother, or she has her brother's name on there, that you're believing that he's going to come to Jesus, know Jesus, I mean, as I look around, I see a couple of faces that were actually cards on the steps, you know, so it's actually kind of cool, so that's, that's believing for something, um, uh, who knows what the Holy Spirit Conference is? Anybody? All right, so that's yeah, cool. All right. Uh, Holy Spirit Conference, we used to go to it a lot down in San Diego. Uh, Dr. Barclay's, uh, Holy Spirit, um, uh, Dr. Barclay's ministries down there, which is pastors, 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 pastors. Yeah. So which is pastors, pastors. Um, it's every January or February. They always, they go out there for a week or so and, you know, we worship the Holy Spirit. That, as a matter of fact, little bunny trail. Uh, that's where I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost down there. I was sitting in my seat and they're like, who here wants to be filled with the Holy Ghost? And I was like, me, me. You know, uh, for, for me, it was, uh, I never wanted to fake it. No, blah, 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 blah. Or who stole a Mahanda or, you know what I mean? Or shoulda, coulda, woulda. You know what I mean? It, I wanted to do it with my heart and be for real. You know, so when he, Dr. Barclay said, who wants to be filled with the Holy Ghost? In my eyes, in my heart, my heart raised its hand like I want to, you know. So he prayed a quick prayer and out of nowhere, you know, the Lord got filled me up with the Holy Spirit. And since then, I've been praying in the Holy Ghost, you know. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but um, there was some time, there, there's something that he liked that Pastor Barclay does, not a lot because it's something that's really holy. It's called a Shunammite offering. 
uh, Shunammite offering is something that's about this woman in, uh, a Shuman woman, uh, in the Bible. Um, she, you know, she, she, uh, you got, actually, actually, that's your homework. Go learn about the Shunammite woman tonight. You know, she, she, uh, made a place for people, for this prophet that walked through the, walked through her town and she'd have nothing to give but a nice room for him and, this prophet, took, I don't want to ruin it for you guys, but anyways, this prophet said, well, what do you need, you know, and this lady's like, I, I haven't, I don't have any kids, and, you know, so the Lord blessed her with a child, and, um, you know, fulfilled his prophecy and stuff like that, but I mean, it's a great story, you got to read it, this little child actually passed away and got raised from the dead, you know, so, uh, anyways, that's just little tidbits, you know, no cliffhanger, but, um, um, man, what did I say all that for? Oh yeah, Shunammite offering. Okay, so there's this, uh, thing, it's a Shunammite offering, and it was the last day that we were at the Holy Spirit Conference, and before the Holy Spirit Conference, Des and I always sit down and, and we, we talk, okay, how much are we gonna give in the offerings? Cause they like to do offerings in the morning, offerings at night. You know, we wanted to make sure that we were able to step out in faith and, and, you know, bless them and sow the seeds and stuff. And it was this, it was the last, um, offering, and he took a Shunammite offering, and, um, I had nothing else to give. You know, we were both on a budget, I was, you know, we went there already stretching. We had to live in, we have a uh, stay in a hotel for the week that we were out there. And, you know, and thank God it was before COVID, man. Everything would have been crazy. But anyways, um, um, he took a Shunammite offering. And at this time we had, um, we had the opportunity to have my little sister with us. Um, it was, um, a little bit of a sad time how we ended up getting her, but, um, you know, praise God, everything worked out, and uh, my mom was lost. She was stuck in stuck in addiction, and uh, that was one of the reasons why we had my little sister and stuff. And we couldn't find her; had no idea where she was. And um, and the Lord know, knew all of this; He knows all of this. And uh, in my heart, I was like, "Man, we have nothing else to give, honey." You know, but uh, the as we were thinking that and talking about that, the Lord had already called somebody that was there. Uh, came to us, said, here, I want to give you this. This is money. I want you to give a Shunammite offering for your mom. You know, so, um, um, it's, it's, it's a really big thing to be able to test your faith and step out in faith. And, uh, we did, uh, submit our Shunammite offering and, uh, not too much longer after that, um, my mom was able to get found and she turned her life to Jesus and she was able to serve Jesus ever since, you know, praise God. Um, but offering is an opportunity for you to to step out in faith, saying, you know what, I'm believing for this house, I'm believing for this car, I'm believing for shoes for my kids, whatever you're believing for. Step out in faith and and show the Lord, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm I trust you, I believe you, I, I'm under your covering, you're, I'm in the covenant with you. This is what I'm going to do to show you. You know, it's not just about money; it's all in your heart. You know, it says, don't give reluctantly. You know, so you want to make sure that your heart's in it because it's not. Uh, if your heart's not in it, nothing's going to be blessed. Uh, so anyways, uh, I'm going to stop talking because Miss Lawrence has some awesome word for us. Uh, if you want to say our financial faith confession with us. Um, and uh, can we all stand real quick? Sorry. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commission, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously to the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Go ahead and bring it up. 
Okay, let's worship the Lord together with our tithes and offerings, and then stay up here if you like, and let's worship Him at the altar. the power of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings, who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless with awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King above all kings. With truth and justice Shines like the sun in all of His brilliance The King of glory The King above all kings This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross you laid down your life That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I thank for All that you've done for me Worthy is the Lamb that was slain Worthy is the King who conquered the grave Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place, that you would bear my cross, you laid down your life, that I would be set free, oh Jesus I sing for all that you've done for me.
There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free. Spirit in here because we're inviting it tonight. We're inviting him into this place. We're inviting him into our hearts. We're inviting him into our minds and our lives. 
And we just thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father God, for, for, our, for our church, first of all, for High Desert Word Center. We thank you that we have a place that we can worship freely, that we can come and raise our hands and scream and shout and hoot and holler all we want for you, Lord. We thank you, Father God, for our pastors. And we just thank you, Father God, for this service tonight. We thank you for all that you do for us and that lives will be changed. And we just give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Woo. All right. I'm trying the handheld for tonight so my hands won't be flailing and wailing all over the place. So we're trying to get some control. And give you another disclaimer. Usually everybody who uh, preaches and teaches, they like to roam the area, you know. They like to take advantage of the altar. I'm going to stay in my safe zone, okay? So just disclaimer right there. So those of you who don't know, my name is Lawrence Mata. I wear many hats at the church. I'm head of security. I uh, co-minister the family life ministry. I'm on the elder team. And like I always say, whatever else Pastor Dave needs me to do. And tonight... It was preach. So, here we go. When you have an introvert in the audience, you just throw them up to go preach. There you go. So, you're gonna, you'll see another side of me. You're like, that guy never talks. And I stopped saying, I stopped confessing that I looked scary, but about three times this month, people say, why do you always sit back there? So I'm like, okay, I have to explain, okay, I'm head of security, so that's the security station, and we're, you know, explaining what I do. Like, wow, I never knew we had security at Hydra's Word Center. So that means I'm doing my job right. So there you go. So I was really looking forward to doing this, not just because Pastor Dave told me to, and Pastor Dave, if you're listening, blow up the live stream, but I was excited because it, everything stemmed around a little quote that I have, and we're not going to get that until... uh midway through my lesson, but whenever I get like an idea or a thought that God puts in my head, everything branches out from it. I get all kinds of different different ideas, and then this popped into my head yesterday. I was like, what's a good title for this message? And it's the lies that we tell ourselves. Because a lot of times we, we talk ourselves out of things. We talk ourselves out of tithing or going to church or forgiving or whatever, and we we stop ourselves from getting the full benefits of God. So tonight, lies we tell ourselves, because sometimes we lie to ourselves to justify our actions. Now, it doesn't have to be something serious like, you know, covering up a murder, or, you know, uh, having an affair. I'm like, okay, that, that's right. You know, it could be something simple like, okay, you know what? That, that slice of cheesecake at 10 p.m. is not going to do my body any harm. Now, if you're my son's age, 14 years old, it's not going to harm you. He could probably eat a whole cheesecake at 10 p.m. and it won't harm him. Me at 44, I'd probably die from just the crumb. So tonight we're going to look at some of the lies that we tell ourselves. We, we, we need to be people that incorporate, we need to incorporate this into our lives to, uh, you know what? I just lost my place. I was trying to get myself out of it, and I lost my place. But we need to learn this on how to neutralize the lies. They're going to help ourselves. We're going to learn this because we can reach our full potential as Christians when we stop lying to ourselves. Okay? So we just thank you again, Father God. We thank you, Father God, for just this message, Lord, that it's going to be your words being told. We thank you, Father God, for just giving people ears to hear and a heart 
to apply it to their lives. And we just thank you, Father God, that, that people are going to put this into action. And if it's not, Lord, then you send it through the airwaves of the interwebs, and you're going to send it to who needs to hear it. We just thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So one lie that we always tell ourselves, whether it's applying to a spiritual thing or not, is I have plenty of time. Now, let me tell you this. I say that a lot. You know, some people could find that as procrastination. It'll stop us from doing the right thing when we procrastinate things. And on a little side note, procrastination is just a pretty little title we give laziness. No. I leave the toe stomping and the and the band-aids for Mrs. P, but I might step on a few toes tonight, but I'm not meaning to, okay? I'm I'm just trying to this is what God put on my heart. But procrastination is sometimes laziness. Because you'll tell yourself, okay. I have plenty of time. I have plenty of time. I don't need to forgive them right now because I'm mad. They made me mad, and I'll have plenty of time to forgive them. I know it's wrong. I, I go to church, and I should forgive them, but they made me mad. So you just lied to yourself. You justified your anger. Now, the Bible doesn't say you can't be angry, all right? I have three teenagers and a six-year-old. Believe me, I get angry every once in a while. But it has to be righteous, holy anger where it's not leading you to sin. Another lie that we that we tell ourselves is I can do it tomorrow. Now, that's one thing. When you're a homeowner, that's one phrase that you tell yourself a lot. You're like, you know what? I'm going to pull those weeds tomorrow. I'm going to fix that fence tomorrow. I'm going to clean the pool tomorrow. Sorry, Eli, I'll clean the poo tomorrow, I promise. I told them that, I was like, after church, I'll clean the pool, well, you can go swimming, and then it's like, once I hit that bed, because I was like, I'm going to take a little nap, and then he comes in about 4 o'clock, Daddy, you going to still clean the pool? And they go, uh, tomorrow. Well, let's go to Proverbs 6. 6. Okay? Proverbs 6, 6. This is a good night that you guys came, because... We always say it's the meat eaters that come on Sunday night, and it's true because there's a lot of things going on tonight, and we know two of the Samples families carry like 14 people just by themselves, so you guys came on a good night because there's going to be what? A visual demonstration. So yeah, yeah now, now I got you guys' interest. The front row is excited. It, it's just my daughter, so. Proverbs 6, 6. Take a lesson from the ants. You lazy bones. And this is out of the New Living Translation. So I didn't insert this. It says lazy bones. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Let's go down to verse 9. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? What do you think they're talking about? Now, if you are a fan of Disney movies and you watch The Bug's Life, you kind of have an idea of what I'm talking about. The ants are preparing themselves. The ants are storing away food. The ants are prepping for later times. They're not saying, oh, well, you know what, I'll just gather food tomorrow. Now, in The Bug's Life movie, they're gathering ants. I mean, they're gathering food for the grasshoppers. Okay? Now, a lot of times, people will do that with, like, their finances, they're like, they'll, they'll spend like the grasshopper. I'm like, ah, I'll have plenty of, of, 
of money tomorrow. Well, let me just tell you, I had to buy four new tires for my car, you know, and if I wasn't prepared like the ant, I probably would have freaked out. I was talking to somebody and I was like, I remember back in the day, if one of my tires blew out, it just would have been a catastrophe. We would have to shuffle things. Like, okay, I guess this kid's not eating today. I don't know what's going on. We're going to have to figure out a way to pay it. Let's, let's dig in the couch, see if we can get tire money. Now, I was like, okay, I need four new tires. It's, it just, you know, as, as they said back in my day, it just, it ain't no thing. I just got my, my debit card, slid it through. Didn't bother me what the price was. I mean, I got a good deal, by the way, so, but it didn't bother me. It didn't phase me because I was prepared, you know, all you Dave Ramsey fans know you have an emergency fund. For what? Emergencies. And you never know when they're going to come, especially if you have four kids who just like to, you know, pop things in their mouth and fall down and run all over the place. Or if you're a homeowner, you need to be prepared. But you can't do that with your finances. You can't be like, okay, well, I'm, you know what? Tomorrow I'm going to start saving. That's the day. I got my big five-gallon water jug from Sparklets, and I'm going to start filling it with change and Tomorrow, we're going to save, and then you're going to be like, and someone will invite you, hey, you want to go to Del Taco? Yeah, sure, let's go. I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just saying stuff that either I've been through or I'm going through. And if I can help anybody with finances, because believe me, you'll hear later on, I had some troubles with finances. Life is very, very, very short. And the reason why I say that, and when you become parents, you young people, or Everybody who is a parent knows, like, one minute, Lily was, like, as tall as my knee. Now look at her, 18 years old, driving. She took care of her, her siblings all week long, taking to and from school, you know, helping prepare meals. I'm like, man, I look at Ryland. You know, he, it was just yesterday, he had a squeaky little voice playing soccer up and down. Now it's like, he's, I was trying to help him fix his hair today. I'm reaching up now. So that's when I say time, life is short because before you know it, Eli is going to be up here next to me. And you have to look at the news. Look at all the crazy stuff in the news. Look at all the Bible prophecies that are coming true right now. Look at everything that we heard. Look at all the, the stuff that we see. If that doesn't tell you that we're, we're not approaching the last days, we're already in it. It's just a matter of time before the, you know, the clock ticks to zero and it's time to go. The devil wants to deceive us with time. Now, granted, we can't give him all the credit for our laziness. A lot of it's us, but he'll put that little, he'll just tell you real quick, like, hey, you got plenty of time. You know, go ahead and be mad at him a little bit more. You got plenty of time. Where's he going? He ain't going nowhere. And then you're like, you're right. You know what? It feels good to just vent. But rather than venting, we should be praying for those Believe me, you know what? I'm going to be real for just like two seconds. There's sometimes there's people I can't stand. But guess what? Those are the people that God puts into my head. And I know those are the people I have to pray for. Because why would the devil's not going to... The devil might want to put those in my head to like, oh, yeah, remember this, this jerk over here? No. I guarantee you, if I ever had conflict with you in past, present, or future, I guarantee you, you're in my prayer closet with me. Guarantee you. 
But we don't have, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We, we, we don't know, you know, what could happen on the way to Walmart or on your way home. I mean, we're in God's favor and we believe what's going on, but we have to be prepared and know that time is a really deceptive thing. The devil wants to fool you to believe that you have plenty of time to change. And then you fool yourself in thinking that you will have plenty of time to make yourself a better person. And you really don't. Let's go to James 4.14. James is a really cool, really cool place. I like to hang out sometimes. James 4.14. And like I said, this is out of the New Living Translation. It says, how do you know? be like tomorrow. Oh, there we go. Hot mic. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it gone. I like to add that a little there. Now go down just a tiny, tiny bit to uh, verse 17. Verse 17 says, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do, and not do it. So going back to that whole thing of like preparing and stuff. If you know what you should do, if you know that this person did make you angry, but you should go and at least, I give this example to my kids all the time. You put it the ball back in their court. If someone made you angry or you had some kind of like conflict, then you know what? You're like, okay, yeah, you made me angry. We're going to move on from it. And you just let it go. I don't, I do not hold grudges anymore because life is too short. And I let it go. Now, who knows? Things might not be the same. And I remember the last time I was up here and I was talking about giving people uh, different levels of access to your life. Now, you may have been a level nine and you bumped yourself down to a level one. But I'm not going to cast you out. I'm not going to be totally mean to you. I won't mean, yeah, let me rephrase that. I won't be mean to you at all. We, we squash our conflict, it's done. But you can't do that with your finances. You can't do that with your health. You do that with your, you know, like, you know what, hey, you know what, let me tell you a good example of that real quick, okay? So I used to think it was my mattress. I was blaming my mattress for my hip hurting. And I was like, man, this mattress sucks. We need to get a new mattress. We got a new mattress, and guess what? Hip was still hurting. And then I kind of realized that, you know, I'm going to use medical terms. Uh, The doctor kind of says I have a little bit of a, what they say, weight problem, you know? I was 271 at one point. Pausing for audible gas. But then I was like, man, no wonder my hip hurts. Like, I have all this weight pushing, you know, gravity is not helping, and no wonder my hip hurts. So I was like, I took it upon myself. I was like, okay, it ends today. I'm not going to lose my breath tying my shoe anymore. So I stopped. I, I, honest to God, I did it right then. Once I realized that, I went on a long, like, two-mile walk. And then I was like, okay, what do I have to do? And I was trying to find the the... What do you say? Easiest way to lose some weight? So I started doing intermittent fasting. And before you do it, I went from 271 down to 243. And now I feel better. 
And now my hip, the moral said all that to say this, my hip doesn't hurt anymore. So I could stop blaming the mattress. It was the fluffy guy on top of the mattress. So that's one lie that we tell ourselves. Another lie that we tell ourselves, and this is the good one, this is where this lesson stemmed from today, is that movement is progress. And I'm going to let you, you know, kind of like wonder what that is for a second. So I was uh, doing what most people do when they're in a, in a waiting room for a doctor or you're at an appointment in the waiting room or whatever, you know, you got like, you're doing your adult pacifier and you bring out your phone so you don't have to talk to anybody. So I'm, I'm on YouTube and I'm going through, you know, just quick little videos. And this famous actor was doing an interview and it just really, really made me think. And here's what he said. He said, don't confuse movement with progress. You can run in place and not go anywhere. So think about that. Think about that for all you guys who are doing the, the, the fitness ministry on Saturdays. You guys could be, you could stand in place and your, your pedometer might say you did five miles, but you didn't move anywhere. You're just marching in place. And sometimes that's what we fool ourselves. Now, I apologize in advance, but if you have steel toe boots, put them on. There's a time where I treated my, my relationship with Jesus like that, where I thought because I was coming to church and I was sitting in the front row three times a week, I thought, man, I am making some progress in my spiritual life. I thought that I was, you know, I, I was volunteering and, and, and doing stuff and, and bringing my kids to church. I thought, that, man, I am a pretty good Christian. You know, I'm, I'm not the greatest. I could do so much more, but I'm doing pretty good. And then I realized I'm running in place. You know, I was silly enough to think that just showing up to church was enough. We can't lie to ourselves and expect full benefits of heaven if we're running in place. We all do that sometimes. And it'd be like, it's like fill in the blank. You know, I, I said, come to church. But you, it, could, it could be anything. Let's go to James 2.14. You're already in James for the last point. Let's go to James 2.14. We're going to start at 2.14, and it says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Actions. Actions. What kind of faith, What that? can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, Goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. So that's confirmation right there. Movement is key. But you got to be doing something. you got to be backing up your faith with something. you got to be... One thing right here, here's a good one. I was trying to think of like a, like a, a, an example that all of us can do. I'm sure at one point in our lives, someone, you know, they find out you go to church and they're like, oh, you know what? And, and Desiree was talking about this this morning, but she's actually doing what I'm saying you probably should do is if someone says, yeah, like, you know what, Lawrence, I'm, 
I'm just having a kind of a bad day or my mom's in the hospital and or whatever. Can you pray for me? Yeah, sure, brother. I'll pray for you. And then you're like walking away. I used to do that so much. Oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. Let's go. Now it's like, you want prayer? Let's get it. Oh, we're in the middle of Stater Brothers. God can show up in the middle of Stater Brothers. God can show up at Fort Irwin. God can show up at Santa Fe. God can show up in our parking lot. So if someone's saying, can you pray for me? Don't just be like, you know, you got it. I'm praying for you. See you tonight. No, stop right there and pray for them. Grab their hand. If you're not, you know, comfortable holding their hands, put your hand on the shoulder. Make some action. Do something. It's telling you right there. It's not a little extreme. You know, I'm, you know, sometimes when someone's asking for money on the street, I don't always have cash. But a lot of times I'll be like, well, hey, I got no cash, but do you need something? Are you hungry? Go in the 99 cent store, get you a loaf of bread, some bologna, whatever you need. Oh, can I tell the funny story from Food for Less where the lady asked me for a dollar? Okay. Lily's my voice of reason right now. So one day I'm walking into Food for Less and someone stopped me and asked me for a dollar. And I was like, okay, I happen to have a dollar in my pocket. And I gave them the dollar and then they're like, do you have another one? And like, I'm sorry, like, flashbacks or I was transported to being at home with my kids asking me for another dollar. And I said, make it enough. And I walked away. And I don't know if it was Lily or Maylee, but they were like, Dad. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, but I mean, it's the truth. Make it enough. Sometimes we think movement is progress by just reading the Bible or listening to a sermon. I know someone in my life that says they read the Bible every single day. A very close relative of mine. And to look at them, I'm kind of on the inside, so I know the problems. And you would just be like, does this person even know who God is? Their lives are just like, just in shambles. They have so many addictions, so many problems, so many things going wrong in their life. And they're like, well, I read the Bible every day. But if you're not doing anything about it, if you're not putting to what you're reading into some action, if it says love one another, and you're not loving one another, if it says love your enemy, and you're not loving your enemy, then it's just a Bible, it's just a book with words that will pep you up for the moment, but probably won't do anything else. It'll make you feel good about yourself, but it probably won't do anything else. Sometimes we need to be stirred up. Guess what time it is, guys? It's visual demonstration time. Visual demonstration. But we need to be stirred up, okay? Ordinary drink packet comes in pack of eight at your local 99-cent store. Water. It's for you put a drink packet into water, right? Because some people just don't like plain water. They like some flavor with their stuff, and there's nothing wrong with that, okay? We all know the directions. You get your water bottle, and don't drop the cap. So what do you do? What what do we do next? We just add the flavoring packet to the water, right? Right? Okay. Bam. Did that. 
Ooh, look at that big giant clump that went to the bottom. Now, as is, who would drink this? Right now, at this point, who would drink it? Lily, would you drink it? Miss Barstow, would you drink this right now? Okay, Ryland would drink it, but we all know Ryland's a little weird, okay? So, but what, what do you have to do to this? Shake it up, stir it up. You get that big giant clump. It's mixing in, it's mixing in, okay? I only got one hand, people, okay? I only do so much. Now, we got a drink that would be refreshing, that would help you out, because it got stirred up. This is a common thing. We know, okay, you got a drink packet, I add it to the water, and it should work. It should taste good, but it probably won't. That's like, the water bottle is us, the drink packet is the word of God, and I was hoping it would clump more, but I probably got a a good batch. I was hoping it would clump and just go to the bottom. But you kind of get what I'm talking about. The flavoring packet is God's word. And we're putting it into our lives, but if you're not going to shake it up, put it into some action, it's going to clump to the bottom of the bottle and just sit there. Okay? Let me tell you a story. And you might have heard it before, but after I say why I like repetitive stories from Pastor Dave or Pastor, you'll know why. So, I'll, 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 I'll ask for a show of hands. Who has heard Pastor Dave's testimony about being healed from cancer? Show of hands. Okay, just about everybody in here has heard it. At least once, right? I've been going to this church for 15 years. I can't even imagine how many times I've heard that story. I love my father-in-law. But he tells me stories over and over again about every musical artist from now until the beginning of time. But hey, sometimes you just get little tidbits. Sometimes, like uh, Reverend Bench the other day was saying, you know, sometimes repetitiveness is good. So, if you don't know, my sweet little boy back there in the plaid shirt, not you, Ryland, put your hand down, with the hat on that just took off his hat, that's Eli. That's my six-year-old. When he was born... He had a lot of problems. He was immediately transported to Loma Linda, and he was in the intensive care unit for like two weeks. And that really wasn't the end of his journey of visiting hospitals, but he was there two weeks. And each and every day, I didn't lose faith, and I just kept saying, today's the day. Me and Leah had a routine, you know, the Ronald McDonald house put us up in a really nice hotel. So we had our routine of getting stuff ready and going to the hospital to spend all day there. And Leah would always ask me, you think today's the day? And I was like, yep, today is the day. Eli is going home today. And then 8.30 comes around and visiting hours are closed and Eli's not going home that day. Then the next day, same thing. Think Eli's going home today? Yeah, Eli is going home today. Eli's going home today. Anyways, fast forward to day 14. He went home that day. He went home that day. And, but he had all kinds of stuff. Like, I mean, he had a bout with uh, seminella poisoning. He had RSV. He had 
he was like those kids that comedians talk about where they're allergic to every single thing. I mean, Eli had a literal list. He had to walk around with an EpiPen, everything. Let me tell you right now, would anybody look at that little stocky boy back there and say he was in the intensive care unit, he was born a month early, he had all these problems, and he spent all this time in the hospital. Would you ever think that? No, because he is 100% healed. The day I came home, okay, yeah, we're going to clap for that. Clap it for you, Eli. Let me tell you this. The day we brought Eli home, I text Pastor Bernie on the way to Barstow, and I said, because I, I think he made a comment once, like maybe I tell that story too much or something like that. I can't remember. But I text Pastor Bernie, and I said, don't ever stop telling that story because that story is what helped me save my son. Because I prayed over him. When Pastor said that he would pray over the, the, the things that they would hook up to Pastor Dave's IVs and every machine that was on him, I'm telling you, I did that. I prayed over the incubator. I prayed over the fresh blankets that were being put on him. I prayed over the diapers I was changing on him. I prayed over, he had wires, tubes. I mean, I'm telling you, there was a, the second day he was born, he stopped breathing. So my boy was basically dead the second day. I didn't stop praying at all. I told Pastor Bernie, don't ever stop telling that story because that is what helped me be faithful enough to save my boy. So we need to be stirred up like that when we have the word implanted in us. If you're coming to church three times a week, you have the word implanted in you, even if it's by osmosis. Even if you just don't pay attention, if you're... You know, usually we have like a whole row of teenagers back there and their their hands are right here and their heads are down. They may or may not be reading the Bible, but, you know, they, they make 20 treks to the bathroom. Not calling, you know, they're not here, so I can't call them out. But sometimes you're getting the word just by hearing. You'll hear something. You'll hear something by just showing up. That's my point. But we need to be stirred up. Let's go to James one twenty two. We're hanging out in the book of James, but we're having a good time. Oh, and by the way, Blake, this is out of the message. James one twenty two through twenty four, and I'm reading out of the Message Bible. I wanted to change it up for you guys. So if you do have a phone, you can bring it out to get out your Bible app. James one twenty two says, "Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener." When you're anything but letting the word, capital W, go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. There's an explanation point there. I need to emphasize that. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. Now, that happens to all all of us when we're at the gas station and we're looking at the number and you've got to look back like four times a week. Wait, am I, what number? Oh, yeah. I do at the gas station all the time. If you say you don't, you're a liar. But you, it tells us right there, act on what you hear. Act on what you hear. Put what, you, what you're learning to into play. Now, sometimes when, when I'm asked to do the offering, I always say, you have to put some action. You got to put some faith behind that envelope that you're dropping in the, in the bucket right there. 
You gotta put some faith behind it. And you gotta have some faith for when you're laying hands on someone or when you're having hands laid on you. You have to have some faith. When it's true sometimes. If you did, you, you'll fool yourself in thinking that you're, you're doing some kind of great thing for someone when you're just hearing the word or you're just sharing a Bible verse. You know, you're having trouble with finances. Hey, let's go to Financial Peace University together. Are those of you who pull people into church? That's the greatest thing right there. If you're a product of someone saying, hey, you should check out my church, God bless the person that told you to come because they were putting some action to their words, to what they were hearing. Who knows what our If there was no someone telling me about this church, I wouldn't be here. And just like Desiree was talking about this morning, she wouldn't be here. And so on and so forth. Point number three. Number three lie that we tell ourselves. And there's, there's probably tons. But point number three is, once I give my life to Jesus, all my problems go away. That's a huge lie we tell ourselves. And that's a huge, huge misconception that we have. Because this is the big one. Let me tell you. There was a lot of excitement and good feeling, good vibes going on when I gave my life to Jesus 15 years ago. I don't know the exact date. Pastor Bernie has it down to the day. I'm probably sure he has it down to the minute and hour. I know it's in August. I know it was 15 years ago. Now, it felt good. Like, like those weeks, days following, like, it just felt good. You felt like you're just a new person. You have a skip in your step. You're like, just the, the water tastes cleaner. The, the birds are chirping a little louder, you know. Everybody is just great. But then, those good vibes, as the world likes to say, they fade. You know, all the people, they were like, yeah, good job. Okay, I'm going to tell a story real quick. I told this person I was going to tell the story, but I'm not going to say who they are. I'm just going to say a friend of mine, really, they accomplished a really big goal, okay? They accomplished a big goal, and we made this joke, like, the day after, everybody was just talking to you. Everybody was just in your face, whatever, and... I, I made the joke. I was like, you know what? Cause I'm a true friend. I ignored you before, and I'm ignoring you now. I don't need to be in your face, but all these people are just grouping around them. It's the same person. We always make this joke like, hey, it's me. Still me. Nothing's changed. It's still me. But with that story, I, I don't know if it had significance or not, but it was just a good story. But you know what? Once all that excitement faded, I realized my problems didn't go away. And Problems were continuing. Like, you may not know, my other highly active boy, Rylan. Rylan, you can wave your hand now. Hey, Ry. What up, dude? So when he was born, he was diagnosed with asthma. Very severe asthma. So much that we were making bi-monthly trips to the ER. Because, you know, God bless insurance sometimes. They just don't want to give you the materials that you need. So when he had asthma problems, we had to go... To the emergency room. I just remember, you know, sometimes staying to the emergency room till like three, four in the morning, getting like an hour of sleep, going to work the next day. But he was healed. Let me put that right there. He was healed. But 
he had breathing problems. I was fired from my job. We had to move from a really big, nice house in a really nice neighborhood in a good part of town. We had to move. I'm not going to say the G word, but it just was not a nice place in town. A very small house. And I've learned to adapt anywhere I've been in life, except for this place. I hated this house. I hated it. I walked in with disgust and hearing the floors creak because they didn't know how to lay down tile and seeing how, you know, like things wouldn't work and the doors wouldn't lock right. I just hated that house. Then I was thinking to myself, well, but I gave my life to Jesus. Why is all this stuff happening now? Like when I got fired from my job, this is a funny story. I I can laugh about it now. You know, when they tell you, like, something bad happened. We're going to laugh about this later. Yeah, it it takes a little bit later, but you'll laugh about it. So the day I got fired, the day I got fired was the day we put a bid down to buy a house. It was a huge house. It had a pool. It had everything that we needed. We had an extra big room for Tom to be in. We had plenty of room to expand our family. It was a nice house. It was like a block away from my mom and dad. Really nice house. So the day I put my bid, we're going to the realtor. We're setting up things with the mortgage loan company. And then like an hour or two later, I get fired from my job. And you think to yourself, like, wait. He gave his life to Jesus. And I was a tither, so don't get that twisted. I was a tither. But why did all that happen? It never says in the Bible that your life will get easier after you give your life to Jesus. It don't. It doesn't say anywhere. In fact, the way I interpret it is that, like, if you thought the devil, you had a target on your back for the devil before you gave your life to Jesus, that target has just made you, made gotten bigger. Because it's like, it's like a challenge for him. You got away. You know, like the like that song says, hell's not... Hell has lost another one. I'm free. But they they don't, the demons and the devil don't want to accept defeat. So they're going to go after you. They're going to after you harder. They want to prove that Jesus ain't going to work. And they want to prove that they can take down your family and everybody else around you. So they're going to come at you harder. The problems are going to come at you harder. I'm telling you, there's nowhere in the Bible where it says life gets easier once you give your life to Jesus. And that's where people get deceived and they lie to themselves because once that the the quote-unquote honeymoon period ends, then you're like, well, forget this. You know, life was much easier when I was a sinner. I was doing much better then. I didn't have to give away my 10%. I didn't have to go to three services a week. I didn't have to do all this. I didn't have to do all that. My life was pretty good. Let's go to Luke 6. We are exiting... The book of James. See you later, James. Luke six twenty two. Thank God for Brother Jesse for taping down my message because the fans are blowing on me and he taped it down so they ain't going nowhere. So Luke six twenty two. What blessings await you when you, what blessings await you when people hate you, 
and exclude you. Who's ever felt excluded and hated? And mock you, curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man. Verse 23. When that happens, be happy. And it's telling you, it's it's confirming themselves. Yeah, you heard me right. Yes. Leap for joy. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets that same way. The way I interpreted that last line, haters are going to hate. And they always have. And they probably always will. But it didn't say blessings await you because you gave your life to Jesus. No, it's saying kind of the opposite. Kind of makes it unappealing to to be a Christian at that point. Like, people are going to hate you. You're going to feel excluded. Your feelings are going to get hurt. You're going to feel upset. You're not going to like people anymore. They're going to get on your nerves and you don't want to talk to them. You're going to feel like you've been hated. You're going to feel like you're the evil person because you're following Jesus. God does not promise a job if you're unemployed. If you're unemployed and you're like, okay, something needs to change in my life. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. It's Sunday night. I'm going to go get prayer on the prayer line. I just lost my job yesterday. No, I don't say that. God's not going to promise you a new job. What the Bible says that he promises us is grace, strength, and joy through all your trials. I think that's better because then you're blessing someone else being like, wow, Lawrence and Leah, their son is in ICU and they're still walking around full of faith. Lawrence just got fired. I'm not going to tell the story anymore. Leah gets so tired of me telling that story. But people were questioning what I was doing to buy a house when I had a, I was low on the totem pole at work. But because I trusted God with my finances and I trusted God and I put some faith behind every tie that I gave. Our reward isn't here. It's not. Reverend Bench told some of us the other day, we're just passers-by. We're the aliens right here. This is not our home. We're not meant to be here. We're just, this is just a stop-off, you know? Like when you go to Vegas and you see the, the rest area, this is just the rest area. You know, we're just chilling out here for a minute. We're not meant to be here for the rest of our lives, for the rest of our existence, for the rest of our spiritual existence. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to put the air quotes. That made it sound like I don't believe. Spiritual existence. Sorry. Our reward isn't here. It's waiting for us in heaven. I have, my faith was tested. The devil tried to tell me sinners are living a way easier life while my life is falling apart. The enemy is wrong. Because you know why? I have the peace and the joy that surpasses, surpasses all understanding. You want people to think of that. You're like, wow. He's going through all that, and yet he's still showing up at the church. He's still being faithful. When I ask for prayer, he's the first one to want to pray for me. That's how we should be. We should be that shining light. When Leah prays over the kids before they go to school, she's always saying, be that shining light. Desiree was talking about that this morning. When she goes to work, she wants to be that shining light. I want to be that shining light. And if you haven't noticed from my 
my beard and my no expression face, I try and be that shining light at church, uh, at work. It's a great beard, right? I know. I know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brother James. I was giving you props earlier for taping down the, the sermon because it's coming into play. These fans are hitting me, and the only thing that's moving is my Bible. God bless you. But I did. I, I was like, you know, cause doesn't anybody else think that way sometimes? So like, you're like, they're doing all the wrong things. I'm trying to do the right thing. And I'm the one that gave my life to Jesus. What's wrong here? The Bible tells you, you know what? People are going to hate you. They're going to mock you. They're not going to like you. The haters, they're going to hate. You're like, geez, like this, this does not sound like an appealing thing, you know? The enemy is wrong when he does that all that. You need to know the truth because when you come to church and you read the word and you apply it to your life, you're going to know, you're going to be able to discern right away that that's a lie, whether you're telling that lie to yourself or the enemy is planting that in your head. You know, I was taking Reverend Ray back to the airport the other day and we were having a good long talk and... We were, we were, I was saying like, you know, problems don't go away once you give your life to Jesus. But we get a big arsenal of weapons now. You know, I don't just pray if, if my kid is not feeling good or they're hurt. I don't just pray. I'm putting word behind what I'm laying hands on for them. I don't just say like, in Jesus' name, May your arm feel better. No, I'm in Jesus' name. Mark 16, 17, 18 says, But we lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. First Peter 2, 24, By Jesus' stripes, you are healed. You put word. I'm putting faith. I'm putting action by praying for them. My hand on their, on their, the, whatever's hurting them. I pray in the shower one time when I saw that my tires were going bald. And I just, you know, like, will you just have those busy weeks? You just knew you weren't going to get it done. And I was like, please, Father God. And I was, it was close to a bargain. Sometimes we bargain with God. I was closely bargaining with God. And I was like, please, Father God, if you just make those bald tires last three more days, the next time I get a chance, I will drive it in there. I will roll it in there myself. I will pay any price. Just don't let my tires pop because, unfortunately, my spare tires pop, too. It was, it was, it was a good prayer. And so, and God got me through. And I remember I took a day off because it was kind of like a semi hooky day. I was just like, okay, you know, I'm just taking this day off. Darn it. I earned it. And then, remember you were talking about your tires? Remember? Oh, okay. It's my day off. I took it to relax, but I forgot. God got me through that week. So. Where did we go, Rylan? No, he's not even here. But we went 8 o'clock in the morning, right when that place opened, and we got my tires done. We have the weapons now. You have even Pat, I like Pastor Bernie's uh, illustration, too, where he says that we now have a spiritual tool belt. Because, you know, if you've ever watched home improvement shows, watch home improvement, the TV show, watch any person that's like a handy person. If you know a handy person in your life, you know that they have 
a tool belt or a big toolbox or a shed full of stuff, and they just like, oh, well, th- that's broken? Boom, let me go get this. Or if they have a tool belt, boom, that's right there. That's what we get when we come to church. And when these problems come, you just immediately... Now, sometimes I do come up to the prayer line, and I'm like, and I tell pastor, like, I already believe that this is going to happen. I just need you to stand in agreement with me that it's going to be done, just giving that extra booster shot of faith. I'm standing on the word. This is this verse I'm standing on. You don't have to say that, because a lot of people sometimes will say, uh, you know, are, they'll ask you, are you standing on the word? Yes, yes, I'm standing on the word. Well, what are you standing on? Luke 14.3. But I know. I, I just shouted out two healing verses that I stand on. And when I say, but you know, First Peter 2.24, by Jesus' stripes, I don't say I am healed. If Lily's hurting, I'll be like, by Jesus' stripes, Lily is healed. Let's go to Romans 12, 12. Man, we're doing good. We're having fun. Who's having fun? I'm having fun. I'm telling you, this, it's a completely different atmosphere when I'm up here at the podium. I'll throw every dad joke and corny thing, and my kids don't want to be around because they know I call it the splash zone. I was telling Jocelyn about this, too. If you're with an eyesight of me, and I know like we're, we're cool and you can take one of my jokes, you're in the splash zone, brother. You're going to get... You're, you're probably going to get a story told about. And Jocelyn, she fell into the splash zone. Not as bad as most people. It was pretty tame tonight, huh, Lily? You got, all my kids got hit. Nope, Maylee didn't get one, but you survived this time. She survived the splash zone. But usually, if next time I preach, you know, be way in the back because, you know, I can barely see Chris. I can barely see Walt. So they're in good spots. They're outside the splash zone. Romans 12, 12. I am rambling. Sorry about that. Sorry about that, Internet audience. If I'm rambling, don't type it in the chat. Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in our confident hope. Okay, here we go. A little bit of uh, confirmation here. What happens? Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Now, never in my life were, like, you know, if I was going through financial troubles, people are like, well, why don't you just ask God for a million dollars? I don't need a million dollars. I just want to pay my electric bill. Why don't you just ask God for for a Mercedes? I don't want a Mercedes. I just want my Dodge journey to have new tires that don't pop on the way to Fort Irwin. Now, if God thought somehow that I needed a Mercedes, I'm pretty sure that would happen. I sometimes think that that house didn't, the, the, the jigsaw puzzle of life didn't fall into place with that other house I was going to bid on because I now live two blocks away from the church. Jesse and Desiree live, we brought them to the neighborhood. The Alvas, we brought them to the neighborhood. So if you're looking for a place to live, you know, this is a really nice neighborhood. But prayer, going back to, to point Number two, to the second lie that we're talking about, about progress and movement, prayer is movement and progress. Okay? Because let me tell you something right now. 
Without prayer, my marriage wouldn't have been restored. I was going through a really bad time in my life. When, when Leah was pregnant with Ryland, I was going through just a really, really bad time in my life. I had so many addictions. I was just lying through my teeth about everything. We were going through so much financial trouble that we were just, we were flat out broke. My marriage was restored because of prayer. My finances were repaired because of prayer. But I didn't just pray like, Father God, pay my electric bill. It was, I had to stop making daily trips to Del Taco or Starbucks or whatever. You know, if, if you're, I always like it when Pastor Dave said this about finances. He said, if you took, if you were, and this is his words, I'm saying it, direct quote. Pastor Dave said, if you're an idiot with your money for 28 years, you cannot expect God to pull you out of it for in two weeks. That's a direct Pastor David quote. Right? Type in the chat, Pastor Dave, if I'm right. But my sons were completely 100% healed. The reason why I get so much joy watching Ryland play soccer is because I remember seeing him, his lips turn blue, sitting in the emergency room and thinking like, this kid's just going to be like, you know, the, the wheezy little nerdy kid that, you know, you see, he's not going to be able to do anything. You cannot keep him still. You cannot keep that. You, am I right? If you know Ryland, you know that kid cannot keep him still. I'm going to tell a quick joke that might show my true colors as a parent, but there was one time Ryland had a really, really important soccer game. And you know, if you know me, I'm a, I'm a connoisseur of energy drinks. I'm like, what would this do if I gave a little bit to Ryland? I give him a half a can of my energy drink. The kid scored five goals that day. I'm like, I think I'm on to something here. So yeah, every game that he played, he had a half a can of energy drink. I mean, there's this movie. I'm not, I'm just, it's a, it's a dumb cartoon. It's called Over the Hedge, and there's this, this chipmunk or squirrel. I don't know what it is, but the the squirrel gets an energy drink, and he's moving so fast that like it's showing that time has now stood still for him. Like that's how fast he's moving. And I always say, Rylan, that's you. After the energy drink, I mean, normal Rylan is still active. I don't like to say hyper. Hyper is like an annoying thing you. You title, you give kids. I like to say my kid is active. Ryland, uh, Eli is close behind. But my sons were completely healed. You know, we were all dealing with, with things in my life. You know, I, uh, you know, mental issues, all, all kinds of things like that. Those were completely healed through prayer. And I'm going to say this, that prayer is progress when it's backed by faith. You have to you have to you have to have some faith when you pray. Stop saying, God, I I hope that my 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 loved one is healed. Sometimes the, the biggest lie someone tells you when they're praying is that if it's in God's will, they'll be healed. I got I, I honestly I got mad one time when you know my mom has been uh has been gone for about five years. You know, she was going through a lot of medical stuff in her final years. And 
I got so angry inside. I didn't like snap at this person, but they they said the prayer. Well, if it's in God's will, she'll be healed. What do you mean? If it's in God's will, she'll be healed. No, it is in God's will because First Peter two twenty four. Am I right? Remember, we we're just talking about that. I don't know where their faith was, but my faith was that my mom is going to be healed. So, when you pray, put some faith behind it. You have confidence and know that you're going to be healed. You have confidence and know that your finances are going to be restored. You have confidence to know that your relationships are going to be restored. Dave, your testimony is awesome too. If you don't know Dave McNeil's testimony about his marriage, married, divorced for a few years, remarried the same person. If that's not a marriage being restored, I don't know what is. But I guarantee you, if you, if you are, I'm not even going to say like, like an old timer of the church. If you are a superhero of faith, you will have a story to tell. Pastor Bernie cured from cancer. Pastor Dave cured from cancer. Desiree gave her testimony this morning about all the stuff that they've been delivered from. I gave you a small taste of what I've been delivered from. I'm pretty sure somebody else can raise their hand and be like, hey, this is what God did for me. We just don't have that time. We don't do testimonies before service anymore. Sit down. I'm sorry. But that's our final point, guys. Let's go ahead and stand up. We're going to say goodbye to our internet family. It's not that we don't like you, but you gone. We love you guys. We'll see you uh, Wednesday. Give a few seconds there. And Blake, sir, if you're going to get us some music.